Welcome to Writer Writer Pants on Fire, where authors talk about things that never happened to people who don't exist. We also cover craft, the agent hunt, query trenches, publishing industry, marketing, and more. I'm your host, Mindy McGinnis. You can check out my books and social media at mindymcginnis.com. And make sure to visit the Writer Writer Pants on Fire blog for additional interviews, query critiques, and more at writerwriterpantsonfire.com. And don't forget to check out the Writer Writer Pants on Fire Facebook page. Give me feedback, suggest topics you'd like to hear discussed, and let me know if there's someone you would love to see as a guest. We're here with Matt Hagen. We're talking about his new book, The Midnight Library. So why don't we just start off with you telling us a little bit about what it's about? Okay, well, The Midnight Library of the title is a library that exists between life and death. And it's a very unusual library. It's an infinite library, and the shelves in that library go on forever. A woman, uh, the central protagonist, Nora, she um, finds herself there. She has made an attempt on her own life, which is why she's between life and death, and she's drowning in regret. And within this library, she gets to try all the other lives she could have lived with the help of the librarian um, within the library, the sort of godlike librarian, Mrs. Elm, um, she gets to be guided through um, different versions of how her life could have been. And to access those lives it is as simple as um, taking a book off the shelf and opening the book, and then she's in in those other versions of her own existence. So there's the life where she carried on um, with her swimming career and became an Olympic swimmer. There's a life where she uh, pursued music and became a rock star. There's a life where she was good at science and was a glaciologist. There's a life where she's a perfect wife and perfect mother. Um, All of these different um, versions of how her life could have been, which she's sort of been having wish fulfillment fantasies about in her real life, she now actually gets to see if the grass really is greener and works out how best to live her own life and whether her life is worth living. You talk a lot about time in many of your books. It seems to be something that you think about a lot. It's it's interesting, isn't it? Because I I suppose when you've written a few books, sort of themes start to emerge, but they're not necessarily conscious themes. I suppose I do do always... um, think about time and mortality and all of that stuff. Um, but I sometimes wonder why we're, why we're all not doing that. I mean, I feel like, you know, we're here um, I, and we, it's so easy to get sort of lost in the sort of trivial sort of stresses or get lost in the internet and get lost in um, politics or coronavirus or whatever it is. And we lose sight, I think, of, of so much and so much of sort of existence, really. And we, we don't take... Um, into account enough of our sort of like the miracle of actually existing you know we we, we look out at the world and we see sort of this sort of hellscape sometimes and how horrendous it is but uh, essentially we are alive we are on this planet this this only planet the only planet we know of with with life on it and we get to witness that we we are like the universe witnessing itself and we get so swamped by our sort of human concerns uh, and quite rightly so and there's a lot to get angry about i'm not belittling any of that but 
I, I think sometimes to look at the big picture, to look at our place in time, look at our place in space. Um, yeah, and I think novels are a perfect way to do that because obviously you're telling a story, but within that story you can have um, a lot of sort of philosophical asides and uh, points about existence. And it's, you know, I, I believe first and foremost a book should be entertaining, but I also think you can have your cake and eat it and put stuff in there which uh, makes people think and contemplate and and that can be part of the entertainment itself i suppose oh yes absolutely i agree as someone that has an english degree and has never really been able to use it in any useful way (laughs) as moving through the world trying to get a job or anything like that i miss those discussions i miss sitting in a classroom with people and saying, well, you know, what is this book really about? What is the author saying? Or what is, you know, really having a discussion as opposed to mm. like, I mean, I freely admit to like occasionally combing through reviews, looking for someone that maybe uh, hopefully actually got it. Yeah, well, that's true, isn't it? Because people sort of say, you know, when you say what happens in a book, people are generally talking about plot. But mm-hmm. I'm interested in what really happens. What is this book really about? What you know, because it, even even I don't know, even the most sort of pot boiler thriller, I think you know, is always about something. The author's kind of coming from a certain perspective or a certain place in time. You know, whether it's Agatha Christie or whatever, there's some, something going on. You can't always mind read. You can't always do a Jedi mind trick and work out what that author is precisely meaning by that. But I think it's a fun game, and it, and it's a it's a it's a good form of communication and a way to interact with the book too. Not just think in terms of plot and spoiler warnings and, you know, what you can say about plot, but what what is that author actually? Where where are they coming from? Why does this story exist? Why are they wanting to tell that? And I think that's an interesting way of reading and looking into a book. Yeah, I agree completely. So I wanted to talk, you mentioned COVID, you mentioned the epidemic and all the things going on in the world right now, which it does seem to be like, I'm in the US and like practically half of our country is on fire. And then the other half is not literally on fire is metaphorically on fire. So you uh, mentioned before your memoir and a couple other books that you've written, uh, specifically Notes from a Nervous Planet, I enjoyed very much uh, in dealing with depression and anxiety. But if you could talk a little bit about being a creative, being a writer specifically in the current environment, how to handle or how you maybe handle or find ways to handle things like depression and anxiety, um, is, is being a creative helpful in this arena? Do you use writing as uh, therapy in a way, or is that a separate act for you? Yeah, it's interesting. Well, I mean, firstly, I've got to massively check my privilege here because I think being a writer and being a writer who who earns enough money to just do writing, who has a publisher who wants to publish me and all of that means that the transition in 2020 hasn't been that big for me compared to other people. So my life hasn't fundamentally changed. Obviously, the new situation, the global situation, the uh, situation in your country, the situation in my country isn't even great either. We're, We're like, handling everything the worst in Europe yeah all of that stuff gets in obviously but I I have to acknowledge that so many people have it worse even within this sort of arts and culture sector I feel like books have been relatively certainly uh, the sphere I'm in has been relatively insulated um, compared Mm -hmm. to say if you're working in theatre or something like that but um, you know I I feel like anxiety for me you know uh, anxiety for me has 
is, is one of the things that sort of continually dogged my health. And this year has been full of anxiety. And what's been so strange has been realizing that um, a lot of the symptoms of my anxiety and my breakdown when I was younger have been sort of almost enforced upon us, you know, like the compulsive washing of your hands, the distancing, oh. the social awkwardness that we've got, and almost like compulsory agoraphobia, all of that stuff. And I feel like, you know, that's potentially so triggering. I mean, for my own mental health personally, it's not been great, but it hasn't been like a disaster. I've had way worse mm-hmm. um, ty- times in the past. Um, and actually, I've got a lot of writing done. And writing and writing fiction has been, uh, you know, such such a therapy this year. It's been so good to literally sort of take my mind um, somewhere else. And also, uh, I think another therapeutic aspect of writing fiction is you, you, you're literally creating a world you can have control over. So uh, in 2020, when all of us feel desperately out of control and um i'm sure in the u.s that's even more magnified um it's so nice to have that world where you you can shape to your own um will that's absolutely true i agree and which makes me sound which makes me sound like a megalomaniac doesn't it bending (laughs) the world to my will which i suppose yeah that is basically what writers are doing they're sort of like imaginary megalomaniac yeah yeah, yeah so. I mean, that is pretty much what we do. So, I mean, it's a nice escape. <laughs> yeah, I decide what happens here. That's good. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I also am fortunate enough to be able to write full time. And so many of my friends, not, not just writers, but also, you know, just people out moving through the world, you know, yes. lost their jobs or had to stay home. And they would talk to me and people would ask, how was lockdown yeah. going for you? And I'm like, you know, <laughs> my life basically <laughs> didn't change. Yeah, I'm like yeah. I'm I'm home every day. I'm alone. I've been on lockdown since 1999. So <laughs> 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 and that's kind of how I felt. I was like, well, and it does make you go, hmm, question a little bit about how you're leading your uh, personal life. Yes. But yeah, I mean, the world ended. Didn't really affect me. Uh, that's definitely <laughs> leading an insulated life. But um, interestingly enough, some of my friends that are writers who, fortunately for them, in their past have never really had to deal with depression or anxiety, and suddenly they do, and the world has just become too much, and I have uh, quite a few friends. They didn't have any um, coping mechanisms that they'd already honed for themselves like throughout their lives, and I know quite a few people that just had almost mental breaks. They were like, I can't, I can't do this. In some ways I was already, like you said, you know, I was preconditioned for this. I'm doing fine. I think that's true. And actually I was literally in an anxiety dip in um, December and January this year, pre COVID. And so I was recovering from that. I remember world news happening and um, my own anxiety actually sometimes in a strange way is almost it's it's almost better when I have something real to worry about, something outside mm-hmm. of my own brain. Uh, the worst type of anxiety for me is when I get into this sort of loop 
of self-referential anxiety where you're anxious because of the anxiety or you're depressed because of the depression and then you can't get out of it and sometimes like we used to live um, next to a river in york in the north of england and i i can remember nearly falling into a depression and then um the river flooded and the, uh, the water came into our house and it destroyed our kitchen and it destroyed everything and everyone was suddenly so sympathetic towards me and say oh this must be dreadful and it must be devastating and all of this and actually I felt better in a weird way for having that sort of like caveman brain kick in. And it's like I had a real situation to deal with. It suddenly took me out of myself into an external reality. The trouble is, I suppose, this year, our external reality has felt so beyond our immediate control. That sense of uncertainty adds to it and stuff. And there's a great book, actually, when Things Fall Apart by an American Tibetan Buddhist, um, Pima mm-hmm. Chodron. And I read that for the first time this year. And it's, it's what's great about it, even though I'm not a Buddhist, it, it's just a great book about uncertainty and about how we sort of frame in the West, we frame uncertainty as this negative thing. But actually, uncertainty is also the source of hope. And it's a source of good stuff and how we have to sort of accept despair and suffering as part of the same whole uh, as joy and contentment and calm and all those things and and we we've almost conditioned ourselves to believe that our life is a failure if it has any kind of suffering or pain within it but Mm. a kind of buddhist holistic approach i think in 2020 has been very soothing for me so yeah i've been um getting a little bit spiritual Mm, that's wonderful. I will definitely check that out. That sounds like a good read for right now. Why don't you let listeners know where they can find the Midnight Library, which I, it's going to be all over the place. It was recently picked for the Good Morning America book club read for October. So congrats on that. Yeah, it was out published yesterday um, in Harback. Um, I'm very lucky Viking have given it a gorgeous cover design and everything and yeah i mean my my other regret about this year is that i'm not actually able to do a book tour in person and i'm 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 um stuck in Eng- england doing zoom but it has meant i've been able to chat to lots of people and contact people and i'm very active on instagram and twitter and all those things so yeah feel free to say hello there too Writer, Writer, Pants on Fire is produced by Mindy McGinnis. Music by Jack Corbel. Don't forget to check out the blog for additional interviews, writing advice, and publication tips at writerwriterpantsonfire.com. If the blog or podcast have been helpful to you, or if you just enjoy listening, please consider donating. Visit writerwriterpantsonfire.com and click support the blog and podcast in the sidebar.